The following is a message from Reverend Ken Belden of Wellsprings Congregation. You know when you go to the circus when you're a kid and like you see the parade of exotic animals and elephants and you're just like, oh my God, this is the best thing in the world. And then if you know you don't leave in time, you see the guy who comes along and sweeps up all the detritus left over and the elephant crap. And and I'm that guy today, uh, preaching after Purple Rain. <laughs> Uh, I, it just, it just makes me, I, I just want to fold up my pulpit and go home, but I have a job to do and I'm a professional. So hashtag sigh. So if you had to think about it, what would be your single most important word, if you had to pick one word from the English language or any other language for that matter, that kind of signify the heart of reality what would you pick? Sometimes people do this as a little bit of a spiritual exercise. Uh, I've done it only in preparation for this message today. Sometimes people pick love. Here's a few other. This one comes from E. Cummings, the son of a Unitarian clergyman, the great poet. I thank you, God, for most this amazing day for the leaping greenly spirits of trees and a blue true dream of sky and for everything which is natural, which is infinite, which is yes. For some people, that's the heart. That's the one word they would pick. Yes. And for some, no. You're Brene Brown. We often say yes to things when we really want to say no. And then we feel bad about ourselves. Also, sometimes people will throw shame and guilt our way for pressuring us, pressuring us into saying yes. So perhaps it's no that is the center of the world in a word. And perhaps it's neither. Here, Robert Fulgham. Yeah, the guy who wrote that kindergarten book, who, by the way, is a Unitarian Universalist clergy person. Robert Fulgham writing, a rabbi and I once engaged in a friendly intellectual hockey match trying to choose a single word to summarize human wisdom. We submitted, he submitted, a Hebrew term, Timishel. It's found in the oldest story in our common literature in Genesis, the book of beginnings. In modern English, Timishel means it may be, or simply, maybe. I believe that human freedom may be stated in one term, which serves as a little brick propping open the door of existence. Maybe. Which one's the right one? It's a trick question. (laughs) The answer is, I believe, it depends. But the answer matters a great deal. Especially in this series that Reverend Lee and I are doing on self-care, on prioritizing, truly caring for ourselves in compassionate, deep and enriching ways. Self-care is so much about boundaries and choices, what we choose to let in and what we choose to keep out. Yes, no, or maybe are important answers to questions in the life that is always presenting questions before us. But before I get to why, I want want to tell you why this is a really important question and answer. Because the problem with self-care as it is kind of popularly presented to us looks like this. 
No, I'm not saying the problem is a white woman in prayer pose meditating during yoga. It's the way she's presented. Alone. Solitary. On her own. Not too long ago, I was at a wonderful retreat center that I won't publicly defame, so I won't name them, but you can Google. You can all do that, so you can find out what I'm talking about if you wish to. It's a wonderful place, a healing place, a place where I was there for yoga, and it is rare that a day goes by where my butt does not hit the mat. But at this retreat center, there were pictures all around with solitary people in these poses like the magazines you find at Whole Foods that make you feel you're doing it wrong in your life because you don't look as peaceful as they are. And all these little taglines with these photos of individual solitary people. The year of you. The season of you. It's all about you. And I want to offer a corrective to that, as I did when we began this message series about a month ago, that we're going to make this kind of Philadelphia specific when we say you, and we mean yous, yous guys. It's the plural, you. Because the truth is we are social creatures, and the truth is that one of the greatest ingredients right next to making the choice to care for ourselves, which only we can make for ourselves, but right next to that, supporting that, is the fact that We need people around us who will encourage us. All the time we see over and over again when people begin new processes in their life dedicated to growth. Social support is so important for healthy change. And at the same time, one of the significant things that inhibits our self-care are sometimes the people around us. We are social creatures. We are always in relationship with ourself, with those who've already died. And Prince showed us that today, right? <laughs> with all the people in our lives and all the other people, with nature, with the world itself, we are always in relationship. And here's the, the, the best thing and the worst thing about relationship, simply put, relationship is the most unstable thing in the world. <laughs> Relationships grow, they change, they are dynamic. If relationships matter to us, then our answer to yes or no or maybe to what life is asking of us matters a great deal. So my intention today is not to put like a whole bunch of scenarios before you and say, if this happens to you in your life, you should say yes. Or if this happens to you in your life, you should say no. Or maybe, maybe. That's not my intention. I am blessed to know many of you a great deal, but still I could only imagine getting into the complexity of your life. And it would be totally presumptuous for me to say, if this happens, you must say yes or no or maybe. What I do want to talk about today is having an intention so that when we say yes or no or maybe to what we're affirming or what we're keeping out or what we're still considering, that we should have an intention to say that yes or no or maybe as clearly as we can, as wholeheartedly as we can, and understand when we say yes or no or maybe there is no such thing as saying those words once and done for the rest of our lives. There are things in our lives, there are things in my life that I've been saying yes to for years and hope I will be saying yes to for the rest of my life, like my sobriety. But I didn't say yes ten and a half years ago and, whew, that was that, that was easy. 
every day, I have to say yes. The other hope I have for today is that we can focus on what it's like to give a mature as opposed to an immature yes or no or maybe. That we know what we're saying when we're saying it. Uh, there's this great thing in Buddhism where uh, when they're talking about all the various virtues in the Buddhist tradition, they have this thing called the, uh, the near enemy and the far enemy. The far enemy is the opposite of something like love. Far enemy is hate. Well, the near enemy is the really cool thing because the near enemy is the thing that sounds like the virtue, but it really isn't. So the near enemy, the immature version of saying yes, is that when we think we say yes, we don't realize at the same time we're saying no to a whole bunch of other things. This is an economic thing called opportunity cost. When we say yes to something in that moment doesn't mean we won't get a chance to do it something else at time later. But right now in that moment, by committing ourselves to something, we cannot do a whole bunch of other things. That's what a mature yes realizes. An immature no, an immature no, unfortunately, right now we are seeing all over this country immature no's, immature negatives in the form of these egregiously awful anti-LGBTQ laws. It's because some people don't understand and it's foreign to them. And, you know, an immature no, I think, is um, it's not just like these uh, these anti LGBT laws, but it's also very similar to a three year old I saw recently who was playing with another three year old. And the one three year old went to a box of toys and and picked out the toy that was his. And he was very, very happy with his toy. And then his little chum went over and picked out uh, another toy from the box. And the first kid said to the second kid, that's the wrong toy. Because he didn't want it for himself, he made it wrong. That's an immature no. I mean, I didn't grow up around a lot of transgender people, not that I knew at least. I mean, the the generation I grew up in and where I grew up, um, you know, the the first I ever heard of a a transgender person was was Lola by the Kinks, which kind of made it a joke. It was, you know, it was, uh, it was the 80s. It was dude looked like, dude looked like a lady. You know, there was, there was no real popular understanding of the humanity of transgender people. And it took people, by the way, like Boy George and Prince to get me in my own little 14 year old brain on these categories of gender that limit people. And when we say immature knows as a society, the things that may not be for us, or we may not understand, and we want to regulate where people go to the bathroom, we see how deeply immature and flawed and hateful that is. An immature maybe, well, that's kind of just like shrugging our shoulders and saying, it doesn't really matter. A real mature maybe is not indifferent at all. It's still considering its options, but an immature maybe is like, eh, it doesn't matter. This is why yes and no and maybe said clearly with the best estimation that we can make in the moment is incredibly important understanding that the yes or no or maybe may change at some point in the future. Throughout this whole series, one of the things that Reverend Lee and I have been talking about is that an absolute essential commitment, part of self-care as we understand it, is that hopefully we can see ourselves as less a noun, a thing, an object to be manipulated, perhaps exploited, perhaps made into an image that we need to protect, less about noun, less about thing, and more about verb. 
more about an underlying process. You see, if we trust our lives and care for our lives as a process, then we will give ourselves space to make the best choices we can right now, yes or no or maybe, and also understand that there will be the opportunity for revision in the future. See, when we treat our lives as an image, it's, it's like... It's like that kid, you know, who gets straight A's all the time and then doesn't and then is in the class that they think they're failing or maybe they are failing. And rather than admitting it, asking for help or saying, I don't got this, they cheat. Protecting the image is like the big giver. And I'm not talking about anyone here. I'm going to be clear about this, but I've heard this story in many other spiritual communities. It's like the big giver in a spiritual community, in a church, in a congregation who is known for their largesse, who is known for making a commitment to the community, and then they lose their job or they get sick. And they don't earn as much anymore. And instead of openly saying that, admitting that, I can't give as much anymore. No shame in that. They just take themselves out. Because the image that they're conveying is no longer who they are. This is a story I've heard before of a spouse, a parent, who has the financial life of the family locked down. They handle everything until that financial life starts to seem kind of shaky. And they start moving things around through accounts. And they start hiding how deeper and deeper And deeper, the family is getting into debt. See, when we treat ourselves as an image, it cannot possibly capture the reality of who all of us are. It's one of the reasons that, you know, if if you want me to get to to be annoyed with you, not annoyed with you necessarily, but what you're saying, really quick, say these words. Failure is not an option. Sorry, folks. Bullshit. The quickest way I know how to fail is to say failure is not an option. (laughs) Because then all we're doing is we're conveying this image of ourselves. We have to succeed. It's because failure is an option that our success, when we have it, matters so much. Self-care is an expression of freedom. It is what we say in this Unitarian Universalist tradition that revelation is unsealed. It is what we say here at Wellsprings in our core beliefs That the burning bush is blazing everywhere. That is a commitment to the fact that this life changes and grows and develops and is not frozen. And that is good news. And at the same time, it's really challenging news. Because if the burning bush is blazing everywhere and life is an open question that we have to answer yes or no, or maybe not singularly, not finally, but on an ongoing basis, then we also have to recognize that information, new information is always coming to us. We have to admit not because we're wrong, not because we're sinful, not because we're inherently bad. But we're fallible. We live in a world of incomplete information. And everything can be revised. And no matter how strong we think we are, we are not invincible. And no longer, no matter how tough we think we are, none of us is invulnerable. By embracing our fallibility, we become wise. And we become much more clear and much more kind when we say yes or no or maybe. And we don't hide out from change, which is the opportunity and the potential to revise decisions we've already made. Self-care is all about embracing change. Kind of like this says. Consistency is the hobgoblin of small minds. Wrong, Terrence McKenna. Wrong. See, he had the, whoever Terrence McKenna is, had the, the, the 
perilous bad fortune of putting up a misappropriated quote by Ralph Waldo Emerson, and this is a Unitarian Universalist congregation, and he is of our tradition. So you are wrong, Terrence McKenna. We have your eyes on you. The original quote is this, and it makes all the difference. Foolish consistency is the hobgoblin of small minds. We've got our eyes on you, Terrence McKenna. Foolish consistency is the hobgoblin of small minds. It's why Emerson's friend, Walt Whitman, who gave us our mission here, charged full with the charge of the soul. Walt Whitman said in a question he posed to himself and then answered, do I contradict myself? Very well, then I contradict myself. I contain multitudes. I got to tell you, the people who've inspired me most in my life, be they well-known people like Prince or everyday people like you, like yous. <laughs> See, I mean, that, that was Prince's genius, right? That's why so many different people were drawn to him. Because, you know, these things are supposed to be opposed, the multitudes of sexual music and sacred music. Spiritual stuff and profane stuff, music for black people and music for white people. And Prince, who didn't fall neatly into the established notions of gender. That's why so many of us loved Prince as an artist, because he united so many things that other people said must be separate. He contained multitudes, and in containing multitudes, that was his greatness. And by the way, that's the same thing as our greatness, even as we'll never be as famous. And I hate to break it to all of us, including myself, never be as famous, none of us as Prince. I don't think so. And that's okay because we can still have the greatness of containing the multitudes of our lives. This is why in any meaningful long-term relationship, and I'm not explicitly talking about just romantic relationships here. I'm talking about any meaningful long-term relationship in which we know people over months and years and decades. It's the opposite of what people can say completely cluelessly, and I get when they say it because they meet with me when they want to set up their wedding. They want to set up their marriage. They want to set up their ceremony and say, we're really happy to be settling down. Uh uh-uh. uh. <laughs> Any meaningful long term relationship has nothing at all to do with settling down. If it's going to be meaningful, if it's going to contain the multitudes of yes and no and maybe and the different seasons of yes and no and maybe, it's going to be about opening up, changing, growing. This is the gift that we offer ourselves and other people in relationship. When we commit to self-care, it's saying, please take care of this, this precious entity, this precious process that you are, that I am. And at the same time, we will not just probably, we will absolutely discover that if they really commit to themselves, they and we will change. And of course, this can be terrifying in our most meaningful relationships because it means it's a lot of work to have to reconfigure who we are. But the only other option, of course, is stasis. And stasis is just another word for death. And I don't know about you, but I am not particularly into wanting to die today, so I prefer not to practice stasis. The only thing tougher than pretending that we can get through all of this, this self-care, this change, the only thing tougher than pretending that we can work our way around this change is that it's all supposed to be a piece of cake. And if we say yes or no or maybe once, that takes care of it. But it doesn't. Not if we're honest about our lives. Some friends I've had for several decades now, well over 25 years, 
Uh, they were a couple who met like, like, like the, the second week of college, maybe even like the second day of orientation. Do you know that couple? Do you know that couple? Uh, well, this was that couple. And they stayed together all throughout college, and they were like the, the ones who had it all down. And then they moved to grad school together at various places around the country, and then they settled together. And, God, they just had it from the outside. They were the ideal couple. They had it nailed. They said their yes, and whew, it was all good. Until one day, and they're both kind of equally my friends. One day, one of the members of this couple called me. In tears, you know, the kind of thing when someone calls you and you can't even make out who they are because they're crying and blubbering so much over the phone. Sharing a story that I wouldn't have had any idea about because they were perfect from the outside. They said their yes and it was all good. My friends shared a story of a deep and ongoing infidelity in that relationship. And the truth was. As my friend continued to tell the story, I could start to see that the roots of the problem, yes, certainly was the infidelity, absolutely broke hearts and broke promises. But it wasn't just root, it was also fruit of years of taking themselves and each other for granted. Of years of not prioritizing self-care for either of them. And of course, this is what happens when we take ourselves for granted. We cannot give ourselves to ourselves or to another person freely. And through my friend who had started to like start to blubber and cry, and it was awful to witness their pain. They said at one point, we're not who we thought we were. And my friend just broke down again. We're not who we thought we were. And by this point, I mean, I'd just been listening for like an hour and a half. And I just asked a question. Are you curious to find out who you might become? And my friend said, maybe. See, there was one point in their life in which the yes was a very clear thing. And the yes then became taken for granted. And became a no. And then with a little bit of curiosity and a little bit of hope and a lot of trembling, it became a maybe. And by the way, my friends made it. They have a family. They're doing well. Not all couples make it. doesn't make my friend's story the right story. doesn't make other people's story the wrong story. It's just that they were able to make it. They were able to recognize the, 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 the wisdom of what the great poet Rilke said when he said, love consists of two solitudes which border, protect, and greet each other. That self-care and relationship. Rilke, who wrote, if you can accept the infinite distances that exist between even the closest of people, the infinite distances that exist, then it makes it possible to see each other as whole against the sky. To see each other as whole against the sky. It is why I believe in conclusion that all this self-care stuff, all of this acceptance of openness and change is totally, completely incomplete without the invitation to forgiveness. Not the obligation of forgiveness. We make forgiveness an obligation. We rob it of its power. But the invitation to forgiveness. Our freedom is nothing 
without the potential for forgiveness. It's why Niebuhr, Reinhold Niebuhr, who is attributed to having written the serenity prayer, why he wrote these words as well too, which is that the final form of love is always forgiveness. I live by the promises I make. I think we all do. And at the same time, because I'm fallible, you're fallible, we're all fallible, not wrong, not bad, not sinful, but just fallible. We break our promises. A yes becomes a no sometimes, even in spite of our best intentions. But broken promises are not the end, even if they are broken hearts. We're going to hurt and disappoint each other. In our relationships, in the spiritual community, it's just inevitable. Which is why the gift of being able to say again and again and again, should I say yes here? Should I say no here? Should I say maybe here? Is truly a gift. And so why I want to close with these three simple three-word sentences that are for me a guiding practice in my life, in my marriage, and yes, here in my ministry. I love you. I don't know. And I am sorry. I love you. I don't know. And I am sorry. Today, may we accept these invitations. Yes, no, maybe. Maybe a fourth option we haven't even thought about. To be the recognition that our lives are not fixed. Our lives are not final. That there is a promise of preciousness in the process that delivers us to being fully alive creatures. May we be beloved and blessed and amen. Would you pray with me, please? Breath in our lungs, entering and exiting, spirit breathing in, breathing you out. There is no final form of this life. It is flow. It is process. It is movement. And this is beautiful and it is terrifying. It is brutal, as a great writer says. And this is the promise that our lives are not a thing to be maintained, not an object to be manipulated, not a noun, solid, indivisible, unchanging, but a verb, a process of flow. May we realize this deep promise of presence as process this day. Whether we are saying yes or no or maybe. May our answer be wholehearted. Amen. If you enjoyed this message and would like to support the mission of Wellsprings, go to our website, wellspringsuu.org. That's wellsprings, the letters uu.org.